Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Hello people, thanks for tuning in again. 2019 is coming to an end soon and 2020 will be another special year for Bitcoin. Around the 14th of May, the Bitcoin mining reward will drop from 12.5 to 6.25 bitcoins per block. This event is called the halfening and occurs every 210,000 blocks, which is every fourth year until 2140. Then all 21 million bitcoins will be mined. Today we will take a look into Bitcoin mining. My guests are Jan Czapek and Pavel Morawetz, the CEOs and founders of Brains, the company that is operating Slush Pool, which is the world's first Bitcoin mining pool with more than 1 million Bitcoins mined since 2010. Jan and Pavel's company is located in the Czech Republic in Prague. I've met them at the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in Riga this year. They are Bitcoiners by heart and explain how pool mining works, what the challenges for miners are to be profitable, share their thoughts about the electricity consumption of proof of work and what they believe Bitcoin will be in the future. Thank you to the LTB network for listing my show on their platform. But this is just a test run. So if you want me to stay, please do me a favor and tell them that you want the Bitcoin and Co. podcast on their platform as a regular show. I have many great shows coming up in 2020. For instance, I will visit Zimbabwe in spring and bring you news from there how and if Bitcoin is or can be used there. The Let's Talk Bitcoin Network features other cool shows like the original Let's Talk Bitcoin show with Andreas Antonopoulos, Adam Levine and Stephanie Murphy, What Bitcoin Did with Peter McCormick, the Bitcoin Magazine podcast, POV Crypto, The Tatiana Show and much, much more. So make sure to check them out on Twitter at the LTB Network. And as I said before, please tell them you want me to stay. As always, you can find all recommendations and links mentioned in this episode in the show notes on the episode page at bitcoinandco.com. There you also can find a books page with all reading recommendations from my guests. Before we start, a message from my sponsors. If you want to be independent and secure your personal financial freedom with Bitcoin, you have to hold your own keys and must not use a custodial wallet. There are several ways to achieve that. One is to use a well-built hardware wallet like the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security from Switzerland. They have two versions, a Bitcoin-only to minimize the attack surface even further and a multi-edition for a variety of coins. With the upcoming app for Android, you can connect the hardware wallet directly with your phone and send and receive Bitcoin on the go. Check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shiftcrypto.ch. You'll get free shipping with the code ANITA. Slashpool has a long history in the Bitcoin space. So let's maybe start with the question, what is Slashpool and how did you guys get into that business? 
Slashpool is a project that allows to concentrate hash rate from the miners. So basically people who do mining, they connect to, to our pool and it reduces their variance in their rewards. So basically it's sort of like when you, when you share a field in nature, uh, and try to grow plants, uh, you also split the profits equally depending on how big your land is. It's kind of the, the same analogy. Uh, pool has been invented, or the pooled mining has been invented by Marek Slash Palutinus, uh, and he started the project in 2010. And we have been involved since 2013, uh, basically turning the project in a, a professional, uh, great mining pool and basic, basically building a company around it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, how did you get interested in Bitcoin at first? It was through, Uh, for, through Slash because he was my best friend from childhood and it was uh, easy to follow uh, like uh, his involvement in Bitcoin so it was through personal uh, connections but what did interest you in Bitcoin that's it uh, partly it is uh, amazing technology uh, because uh, I was always interested in uh, computer science. So from this perspective, it was awesome. And the fact that Bitcoin connects to technology and like social uh, movement in a sense, uh, it was a sweet spot, let's say. And the third component is uh, obviously money. So these are three uh, main main topics. Why is this interesting to you, Jan? Uh, to me, uh, I would probably agree with most of the uh, topics. So Bitcoin is a big social change to the world. Uh, I think the most uh, amazing thing about Bitcoin is that you finally have something that can operate trustless and permissionless. I don't have to ask anybody to have uh, to be involved with Bitcoin and to actually do some transaction. This is a major change. Second part, I think it's the first time in human history when we have um, an immutable digital uh, data digital history. The transactions that are recording in blockchain are secured by such a big computing power that changing that history is technically impossible because there are no such resources on Earth currently. I hope I'm not wrong, but if I am wrong, then Bitcoin doesn't exist and the whole concept is wrong. And one thing what I like very much about Bitcoin is if somebody is uh, looking into the details, uh, inevitably he or she Uh, must think about personal freedom more uh, because you as a Bitcoin holder, you have a lot of responsibility for your, for example, keys. So you have to be exposed to a lot of ideas which are partly technically based, but it projects to uh, more general uh, topics. So you are forced to think about uh, stuff differently, about your money, about your personal uh, responsibility and, and stuff like that, which is awesome thing. Has that also changed your personal life or your personal views since the beginning when you started with working on it? Of course, but uh, because I spent like six, almost seven years working mainly or only on Bitcoin-related things. So, yeah, it changed completely my life. Uh, the same way as uh, anything else I would spend so much time with would change my life. But this is a good direction. I'm not complaining. It's it's a great thing. Okay. Y you were talking about the security before. Can you please explain to newbies what mining is and what does it do 
in Bitcoin? That's an interesting question. Um, so in Bitcoin, uh, since this, the whole financial network is uh, decentralized, we have to have a way how to agree, so reach a consensus, what is the current state of the ledger. Because Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a distributed ledger book, right? Uh, so it needs to, the, the whole network has to agree what is your basic balance. And if you try to spend your balance, it should be able to check if you're allowed to do it, assuming you have your signing keys. Um, so mining is part of this because it's basically converting uh, an energy, electric energy, into computing power. And this computing power proves that you did some computation in order to, to, to validate and find a block of transactions. So you can think about it like... People who want to do transactions, who want to transfer some money, they uh, tell the network, okay, I want to do a transfer from A to B. And the miners, they collect those transactions into sets. And the set of transaction is called a block. And in order to um, sort of like seal the block, they have to find a specific magic number that when you plug it in into, into the block, into the set of transactions, and make a spe special computation called hash function SHA-256, uh, it has a certain property. So the result, when you, once you do this calculation, matches some, we call it a target. So this is what is called mining. And in order to find this magic number, it takes time, depending on how big your computing resources are. Once you're done, you submit the, the block. Yeah, but these are very technical uh, details. But the the point of mining is just uh, have a physics based uh, algorithm how to uh, allow blocks to be added to the blockchain. Uh, because in in trusted uh, setup, when there is some authority, it would be easy to uh, build the blockchain, build the ledger uh, on a trusted way. You, you would just ask the authority what's the proper block. Uh, but in a distributed uh, system, uh, completely decentralized, there needs to be some algorithm how to reach the same uh, state. And mining provides physics-based uh, maths and physics-based consensus algorithm to do this. So this is mining. And um, the more miners, or the the higher the hashing power, the hashing difficulty also, the more secure the blockchain is, right? Yeah, that's right, because then you as an attacker would have to have more power than it's already present in the network. So uh, the more computing power is currently securing uh, the blockchain, uh, the the more complicated it is for an attacker to uh, brute force way uh, attack the network. Mm -hmm. And there's also always one main argument against Bitcoin is the energy consumption and the electricity it needs to mine Bitcoin. What's your take on that? Uh, it's an inevitable thing because uh, the proof of work is probably currently the best way how to reach independently and decentralized way of consensus. So people don't look at the energy spent as something what provides value but it actually provides a large value uh, it makes bitcoin bitcoin if there is no mining uh, there is no decentralized consensus and there is no bitcoin uh, so it it's it's heated topic obviously but right now we don't have anything better than this and it's just as it is and the fact that 
uh, miners are pushed to finding uh, the cheapest cost, the cheapest uh, electricity all over, all over the world means that they tend to end up in places where there is no other way how to spend the electricity and it tends to be renewable uh, because it's cheap to make it and there typically is not other way how to spend the electricity so if you look at the complete electricity bill uh, for the whole bitcoin uh, uh, network a large part of it is just energy which would not be used for anything else mm. i agree um maybe one way of thinking about uh, the use of the energy that cannot be um used in another way is that today there are not too many ways that we can store energy you can store energy into water if you do if you pump it somewhere up the hill and then you can use it later that's a pretty efficient way but it's not always possible uh then you could theoretically use batteries but that's economically unfeasible um and then bitcoin may look like a, a, a very interesting alternative how to store an energy that that you cannot use in other way Mm. That's actually a great way of thinking about it because then you have a you have a hard money, a sound money that can be owned by individuals, and um, and you store energy. Yeah, <laughs> and I also heard that it's like you need the proof of work because otherwise Bitcoin isn't worth anything because you need something inside. You need you need some kind of work or some kind of like uh, yeah something what's worth something that gives it worth. Well, you can you can express the cost of mining one Bitcoin because that's exactly the amount of work, uh, the amount of energy that has been flown through through the mining devices. And depending how efficient they are, it de then depends if if such miner is profitable or not. Because it either costs him more to mine that Bitcoin than the Bitcoin is actually worth, but he might be speculating for for a price rise, or it's on the other other side where he has enough margin. And this is like. This is the feedback loop in the system where, where depending on the current price and my electricity cost, uh, I either try to scale my operation and try to catch up. That means the network starts growing. That means the difficulty starts rising. And then you're, you're proportionally gaining less. Uh, unless there's a correction in the exchange rate, uh, you're slowly, uh, getting to, you know, to the point of the break, break even. Right, mm -hmm. where you, when you're not profitable anymore, you, but you may not be losing. Once it st starts being unprofitable, you just disconnect. Then obviously the hash rate drops. That's what we've seen last year. Uh, and then even though the exchange rate was just three thousand, there were miners that were profitable. If they were not profitable, most of them would probably disconnect their devices. But at the end, uh, mining is still present only because there is. Uh, no better alternative. And if we have some other way how to make uh, trustless digital money, we would not need mining at all. This is just a technical solution for very very complex problem. So there is no other way right now uh, how to have uh, cash digital money without mining. There's also, I think, a misconception most of the times that um, the price of Bitcoin does not relate really to the price of the power or electricity. What does it? Price of electricity and price of Bitcoin are typically related in the sense that these two things uh, directly in, uh, influence how much hash rate is connected to the network. So there is these, these three parameters are always in sync roughly. Uh, 
some people uh, argue that hash rate is following price. Some people are arguing that price is following hash rate. There is probably true somewhere in the middle. Uh, people are different, miners are different, and they tend to mine for different reasons or with different mindsets. I have no idea if it's one way or the other way around. I have read that in the early days, everybody at home could mine Bitcoin with its own personal computer. Now that's not the case anymore. So um, as a like normal user, could I do pool mining or what do I need to be able to mine? At these days, you definitely need uh, a dedicated device that can do mining. Uh, it's usually based around um, specific application-specific integrated circuits, ASICs. It's the buzzword in the industry. Um, and then the reason why you connect it to the pool is that your computing power is usually so fractional compared to the total hash rate of the of the network is that since Bitcoin is mined in whole blocks, so the minimum amount of Bitcoin that you can mine in in one computing task or in your you know mining session is one block. Uh, you have to find a way how to uh, you know spread the rewards evenly throughout the time. So, for example, uh, with your S9 device, you would it would take you I don't know a year or two uh, to mine a block, or also never because it's a statistical process. Um, whereas if you connect it to the pool, the pool has some aggregated hash rate, which is a bigger proportion of the total network hash rate. And since the whole network is programmed so that it produces uh, a block of 12.5 plus fees Bitcoin every 10 minutes, which turns into 144 blocks per day, if the pool, for example, has 10% of the total hash rate, the pool mines about uh, 14 blocks a day, roughly. Or less or more. It's statistical. But something around this. And all the miners that are participating in the mining sessions throughout the day share these rewards. And the way the rewards are split is based on how they participated. That means how much hashing power they were connecting to the pool compared to the total hash rate of the pool. Yeah, but maybe the question was more related to end users. If, if I as a person can somehow participate in mining... Uh, it would be awesome if people have the opportunity, it, but it's technically difficult because currently the electricity price used by the biggest miners is pretty low, much lower than what normal person can easily achieve or get. Uh, so uh, the bigger miners are much more profitable and they tend to push the difficulty of mining higher. So that the, the, the natural thing is... Miners with highest electricity price are pushed out of uh, profitable mining the first. So the bad thing about uh, mining being more uh, industrialized or professional is that normal users, uh, it's very difficult for them to be profitable in mining. So it can, somebody can do it as, for example, a heater because the electricity would be spent uh, either way. So having a miner producing uh, heat and mining uh, during the process, it's a nice contribution. It's not really strong contribution, but for a person like good feeling, it can be nice. But uh, making a major uh, difference in mining world, it's, for normally this is basically impossible today. Mm, we won't see that in the near future, I guess. You just said big miners or mining companies. Um, there's also the saying that mining is too centralized. 
Is this because there are mining pools? Not necessarily. Uh, as we discussed before, uh, mining tends to be more uh, professionalized in, in last years. Uh, the bigger you are, the more efficient you are for like running the operation, uh, getting better prices for hardware uh, and stuff like that. If you can uh, have a mining farm consuming 100 megawatts of electricity, you are getting better price for electricity in comparison to small players. So all these things point to the fact that the bigger farms tend to stay in the industry longer. They have better margin. Uh, so this drives uh, the industry a bit. But at, at the end, having more f uh, like bigger farms, it's not the biggest cent uh, centralization problem. Uh, owners of the farms should be different. If, if there is 1,000 big farms in the world, it's not a big problem per se. Uh, having one owner of all farms would be a different story. Uh, having one hardware manufacturer, uh, keeping everybody, uh, like behaving everybody, uh, by his orders is another problem. We had it, uh, a few years ago. Uh, so what we need for decentralization, uh, is to have different mining, mining hardware manufacturers. So they are competing against each other at least and selling uh, the machines to independent mining for owners. Uh, and then the fact that you have to have some bigger operation for being uh, efficient enough. It's not, from my perspective, it's not the biggest problem. Because as we discussed before as well, is uh, mining farms are pushed to pretty exotic places more and more, and it will, it will continue in the future. Uh, and it tends... These places tend to have only limited amount of uh, electricity available, so it, it it leads to spreading uh, spreading out uh, the mining farms. But what's what's important is owners of the miners mm. uh, and the, the farms. Mm. Saying owners of miners and mining farms, what's your business model in the pool business? Do you also have mining farm, a mining farm or something? No, our operation is pure software, so basically we take a fee from the mine blocks, that's it. As I said at the beginning, there are several ways to store your Bitcoin securely. But in a way, you always have to trust the manufacturer, of course. That is why I love to know who are the people behind these products, what makes them tick, what are their values and goals, can I trust them? That's one of the reasons why I do these interviews, for me and for you. So if you are one of the people who thinks of investing in Bitcoin long term and in the most easy way and who prefers not to use a hardware wallet, then the card wallet is for you. You'll get one Bitcoin address, you can send Bitcoin to it and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. That's it. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House, which is also responsible for the Austrian passports and Coinfinity. Austria's first Bitcoin broker. Order your card wallet now at cardwallet.com slash Anita and get 20% off the price. You just presented a new solution at the Baltic County Badger Conference. What is it? It's uh, two things at the same time. Uh, 
Last year at the Honey Badger, we were announcing uh, the Brains OS, which is an open source um, operating system for mining devices. Um, and since then, we went through a long path uh, trying to make the stack a little bit more transparent and open source because on the way, we found out that it's actually uh, pretty difficult to have something that would be like truly open source and auditable and would be actually usable on physical mining devices. So what we were presenting is that we finally have a replacement for one of the core components in the whole software stack, which is the CG miner. Currently, it, that used to be an industry standard for, for mining software. Unfortunately, the manufacturers started violating licensing and they started taking logic out of the CG miner component into proprietary parts. Um, so we had some affairs with uh, the hidden AC boost features and bleed, which is, was a major security uh, breach in, in S9s. Um, and obviously, community cares about what they're actually running in their devices. Um, so we managed to replace this also as part of the Brains OS. It's currently in early prototyping stage, so it's an early preview for, for developers and for people who are from the industry. And at the same time, uh, we also wanted to address the, the old mining protocol, which is not efficient, secure, um, and causes a few problems that we were, you know, collecting the data about this for throughout the past almost six, seven years. Uh, so this is also on the way to be rolled into the mining stack. Obviously, it's not simple to um, like replace the whole software stack globally because there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of devices, and this can be a, a way how to how to manage this. Because otherwise, if you just say this is a new spec, please manufacturers, can you implement it? Uh, I'm sure that would not be so easy uh, compared to having an open source alternative for the farms. And obviously, there has to be some benefit for them in order to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and open sourcing is also better for them because they can see transparently what's inside. For the farms, yes, it is It is better for them. It's not quite like this for the manufacturers because the way they see they're actually showing their competition because there are a few manufacturers that are already competing with each other. So they may be showing to, to their competition uh, how their technology works, even though I'm sure they reverse engineer each other's products anyways. Uh, and the main reason why they're... The, although the reasoning that they're actually publishing is that they are they want to keep the users safe from not um, tinkering with the devices. So we're going to make it closed source and not so accessible. Okay, but until now, you're never sure if there's a backdoor or not. There was a backdoor. Oh, there uh, was a the, in, in N-S9, there was a backdoor called Endbleed. It was originally intended to report some statistics to, the, to, to Bitmain. Uh, however, it was easily exploitable. And technically, whoever was able to exploit it, and by that time, pub the general public didn't know about this, he would be able to shut down part of the network, right? Oh. Part of the part of the hashing power. Okay. Um, so this was uh, a major glitch uh, that sounded like unintentional, like a feature from the manufacturer, but at the same time, it just gained them control that should not be there without users explicitly knowing and agreeing with having this. If it was an optional feature, okay, I want to do uh, cloud management uh, with my manufacturer and you you know fill in some checkbox, then it's probably fine. But obviously it was hidden in uh, not in the sources because it was not published. It was published after that. Um, so there was the case. Mm -hmm. the, the whole open source thing is 
uh, cultural issue. Like we are used to have a lot of open source projects and a circle here and in this industry or in be- between people we, we tend to speak with. Uh, but from, uh, for example, Asia manufacturers' point of view, it's completely different concept, and they don't understand why they should do that. Uh, and we keep we keep talking to representatives from uh, Bitmain and other manufacturers about this topic, and it's slightly uh, better in time, but still, it's long discussion. So, how many mining? machine manufacturers are there now uh, completely yeah do you know that i mean uh, i would just... say a few millions oh. <laughs> manufacturers. manufacturers like bitmain or something five like okay. five yeah okay and do you think that this is a growing industry i mean will there come others uh we have heard about a lot of uh other projects trying to make uh, mining chips and it's strongly related to what price does if Bitcoin price goes up, there are more and more uh, attempts to do uh, mining chips because it can be very profitable. Uh, and in the bear market, uh, you cannot hear about such projects anymore. So it's a cycle and few of the manufacturers can actually make it happen. It's pretty complicated stuff. Like you have to be on the really cutting edge of uh, semiconductor technology nowadays to be uh profitable or to produce uh, good enough hardware and it's not the easy task so if you don't have uh, enough experience a lot of money uh you're basically uh you, you need to fail it's inevitable then mm. uh you also mentioned something before with censorship resistance i think you were talking about the transaction selection that changes with your protocol did i understand that right Yeah, uh, it's an alternative path uh, how to handle uh, new mining jobs. Uh, essentially, the current mining protocol doesn't allow the miners to choose their transaction that they want to work on. To It's the pool who chooses the block template and sends it to them. Uh, and with the new protocol, uh, there is an alternative path that allows the miners, if they want to, um, to select their own transactions that are acknowledged by the pool and they are safe for the pool to to work on uh, and then they can submit the jobs this way but this is like the advanced part of the protocol that similarly like in the in the version one uh, there was a discussion about this feature but it was considered to be like a niche feature and for the new protocol i would say it's more like a security measure uh, in case somebody feels there is a censorship the protocol would allow it mm-hmm. It's a misconception to say that miners control transactions. They can't, or? Uh, miners don't uh, control transactions as transactions, but miners control what transactions are uh, put into new mining new blocks. So if you have a majority of hashing power in the world, you could technically prevent some tra- transactions to be mined to the blockchain. So you could uh, force somebody to not use bitcoin at all because you can censor uh some transactions from being put into blockchain if you have enough uh enough hashing power so this the you you cannot prevent anybody to sign a transaction but but some miner needs to take a transaction and put it to block and if you control this process which you do as a miner then you can 
choose what transactions will be allowed uh, there or not. Mm -hmm. That means that if they know a transaction ID, they could block it. Uh, yeah, but only if you have, as a miner, more than uh, half of the hashing power, uh, because otherwise somebody else can take the transaction and put it there. So it's not that bad. Uh, for example, we as as uh, slash pool, we cannot prevent anybody from uh, putting transactions there. We would have to make an agreement like like some global mining pool agreement with everybody else that we would we we would uh, prevent your transactions being being mined, uh, which is obviously uh far-stretched idea uh so yeah as a smaller miner uh one pool you cannot prevent it but technically it's possible mm, understand the clients you have in your pool so for your pool software do you actually know them i mean are there, how many clients do you have do you have a number like <laughs> we, a idea we don't know vast majority of our miners uh -huh. <clears throat> so it's anonymous Yeah, it, it can be completely anonymous and we tend to know larger miners because we have uh, direct conversations with them, uh, helping them with using the service, providing some special, uh, specialized services for uh, bigger farms. But you can use pool completely anonymously. And like we have more than two million accounts created for, uh, the last, uh, by, by the, by the, Uh, all years, uh, but right now we have like thirty thousand, forty thousand active users, and we don't know most of them. Mm. And it uh, that number grows in a bull market and falls in a bear market? Uh, I don't think so. It steadily uh, declines in time because miners tend to be larger and larger, uh, and the smaller miners. Uh, tend to stop mining because of uh, the pr uh, the electricity uh, price pressure we discussed before. Uh, but it l last year or two, it it somehow stabilizes. It's the number is pretty stable. Uh, so we think we are reaching uh, roughly the the steady state. Uh, but in general, it uh, the number tends to be lower and lower. Interesting. Because um, at, at the yeah. beginning, everybody who has a CPU could mine, uh, and then GPU you could mine, and then you had uh, you have to you had to uh, buy ASIC miner. So the barrier is uh, bigger and bigger uh, in time for being a profitable miner. And the big mining farms don't need pool mining. Is this uh, pardon? The big mining farms don't need pool mining. The really big uh, miners don't need pool mining, uh, but. Joining a pool, uh, you can have steady uh, income. So you have to be large enough to like fight uh, the chance of finding a block or not finding a block. And uh, mining is really capital-heavy uh, business. So you have to have a lot of money uh, upfront, uh, and then risking that you're you will not find a block. It's it's another risk. So at the end. It tends to be uh, nice to join pool because then you can predict what your future income will be, at least better than mining solo. So for being a solo miner without pool, you have to have really large uh, uh, amount of hash rate. Mm. 
So with the new protocol, is it a correct um, uh, word for it that it's a protocol for open open source pool mining? Well, how, how would the, you? Okay, it? the current mining protocol is also open sourced. So the reason why we're doing a new protocol is to change the quality of the protocol to have some benefits for the whole mining ecosystem. For our, for example, our biggest concern is the data inefficiency of the current protocol. Somebody has to pay for the bandwidth used globally uh, for mining. So let's make it as efficient as possible. Second part is addressing the security issues with the current mining protocol, where, any, where nothing is pretty much authenticated. There are no signatures of critical protocol messages that also needs to be addressed. And last but not least is the censorship part, which is not addressed in the original protocol. But the new one tries to provide an alternative for miners to select their own transactions if they want to. So it's a quality change. Uh, I think the, the, the open source uh, narrative here is a little bit too much loaded because it's a specification that is open. And the previous one, even though it's not very well documented, it is open and it's you can research it on the internet. So the open source really applies to the code part of the mining uh, firmwares and, and the operating system. Mm -hmm. And um, do you have uh, some kind of a business model behind that new protocol or is this uh, work for the community, for Bitcoin in general? No, we want to be loved by the community. <laughs> That's our business model and hope, hoping that some of the hash rate is going to land at our pool. Okay. It's nicely said. <laughs> it's nicely said. Nicely said, yeah, that's true. So no, there there is no uh, business behind uh, certain V2. You don't sell services then for it or something like that? What's the, the common model for open source software? It, it helps us to solve some problems we actually have and some other people ha can have these issues. So we are partly solving... Uh, making our life easier and still contributing to to the whole space a bit. Speaking about the whole space, uh, what's your future vision of Bitcoin? Or is it there Global where it belongs? Global money. Global money, yeah. yeah. Okay. I've heard an interesting talk yesterday about uh, base money, uh, basic money, or a lot of other um, adjectives. Yeah, I know. I can imagine that Bitcoin will will be the money uh, of the world in the future, not necessarily used directly, but but as a as a base layer for for settling uh, everything else. I can imagine that pretty clearly. Uh, I have no prediction on time, but I think it's possible. You mean as a settlement layer, as infrastructure? Yeah, but. It's it's connected. It's partly infrastructure and partly it is uh, <clears throat> you can move basically all your manner related activities to Bitcoin even without actually touching Bitcoin directly. There is a lot of uh, possibilities how to do that. Uh, you are not touching uh, US dollar uh, banknotes even if you use dollars online. Uh, it's not perfect analogy, but, but it's a similar thing. Uh, so having all currencies being at the end, uh, based on Bitcoin, not necessarily current fiat currencies, uh, it's a possible thing. Mm -hmm. You, Jan, what do you think? Well, I believe uh, in Bitcoin to becoming the settlement layer and then building on top of that. So whatever evolves from Lightning Network. 
so in the future hopefully we're going to be a lot of we're going to be doing a lot of things online but off the chain so that is the future in my opinion mm -hmm. do you think i mean are you bitcoin only or do you also think that other altcoins have chances or a right to be Well, they, they, they are very good test bets, uh, to prove certain concepts. For example, Monero showed how to do, um, you know, confidential transaction, how to deal with this a little bit. Uh, obviously it's not suitable directly for Bitcoin. There are other projects. So considering the, the, the cap, you know, the market cap of Bitcoin and how much money is already involved, uh, it's very reasonable to be conservative in the changes in the Bitcoin protocol in order to have some fancy features. Uh, and one of the big fancy features are, for example, confidential transactions. So basically, you would be able to see there are some transactions, but you would have no idea who transacted with, with whom and what was the amount. However, uh, since the general public cannot see it there's no way how you can verify that there is no inflation and we have experienced these with zcash for example which is doing some dramatic quick upgrades every once in a while when they feel that there could be potential inflation problem with their with their confidential transactions so um that's why the altcoins are good for because they're really uh, some of them are proving certain concepts But otherwise, I believe in Bitcoin and anything that that uh, can work somewhere else can be ported to Bitcoin as long as there is no flaw in it. And the time shows where the flaw is. Mm. And I think that's also a reason why things seem to get slow in the Bitcoin development. It's definitely part of it. And we we should be happy for that. Because this is not a toy. Uh, and there is a lot of... like. Computer scientists and geeks in general uh, try tend to be enthusiastic about new technology. Uh, well, we we should kept ourselves a bit uh, calm related to what uh, Bitcoin changes uh, should be and having a playing round uh, f through some uh, altcoins is a good thing. But we we tend to think about cryptocurrencies mainly through Bitcoin. Uh, in the company, it's it's bit basically Bitcoin only, but the mining is uh, obviously uh, related to other coins as well. So we support other coins, but by heart, uh, I think we grew up as Bitcoiners, and uh, it's going to be to the future as well. <laughs> Bitcoiners by heart is nice, a nice um, sentence. Um, what would you recommend newbies to read or hear or? look at for an intro into bitcoin do you have any recommendations about that there are many books uh one of them is the bitcoin standard that gives some you know background on the economical side of the of the ecosystem there's a book uh about bitcoin by andreas antonopoulos that explains the technical part so I recommend these resources, and obviously there are so many online resources, but it's difficult to for newbie to to tell what is worth reading and what is not worth reading. Uh, there used to be Bitcoin Wiki, uh, which is where the project originally started at, so you can read a lot of interesting things. And last one is probably Bitcoin Talk Forum, but this is for a newbie very difficult to to handle because it's basically an archive. It's a living archive of the whole Bitcoin history. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. So at some point, it's interesting to dig into the details from back from 2009 when Halfini was still alive. And ah, yeah, great. Uh, we'll put all of that uh, links into the show notes. And uh, last but not least, where can people follow your work and see the website uh, from your project? The links? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we can provide the links, obviously. Uh, Slashpool.com is, is our, uh, our pool. Uh, brains.com is a company uh, site. We, there is some, uh, links, uh, to the projects there. Uh, brains.os.org. Uh, brains-os.org is where you get the open source operating system. Uh, we have a Twitter handle, Slashpool. And uh, we have brains underscore systems. We're fighting for just the pure brains, but it's difficult handle <laughs> yeah. for the Twitter. And uh, that's pretty much it. You can follow both of us on Twitter as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Do you want to say something? Yeah. No, I was just uh, preparing to say thank you. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so we all say thank you. <laughs> so thank you for a wonderful podcast. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks to my sponsors at Shift Crypto Security and their Bitbox O2. You can get free shipping now with code ANITA. And thanks to Coinfinity and the Card Wallet, you can get 20% off at cardwallet.com forward slash ANITA. And as always, this is a podcast, not financial advice. Please do your own research. If you like my show, please subscribe to it in your podcast player and share the episode on social media. You can find all links that were mentioned in the show notes on the website or in your podcast player. If you are in the mood for a donation, feel free to tip me at tippinme at Anita Posh. You can contact me also on Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube. Goodbye from Vienna of Wiederhören. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch.